Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hey guys, welcome to Feathers in My Hair. If you would like to hear the extended version of this episode, come on over to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. Hi guys. It's the T-Mom 2 wrap-up episode. Um, The season's over. Was it a good season? I don't know. Did you guys think it was a good season? I thought it was a pretty good season. Um, Real high highs from Kale. Like, Kale, best season yet. I'm real proud of you. <laughs> yeah, high highs from Kale story. Uh, Janelle's storyline, great as always. Uh, Leah, mm, I'll give Leah a solid C. You know, there were some, like, really dramatic and exciting episodes. And as I think you all know, I give Chelsea a F. <laughs> I did not like Chelsea's season whatsoever, but... Overall, I thought it was a good season. Um, I don't know. I think Team Mom 2 and probably Team Mom OG, as much as I hate to say it, are kind of coming to an end as we know them. Um, I'm not sure how much longer we will get from these girls. Uh, I'm thinking, I mean, they're definitely filming 8A right now. They're filming for season 8, part A. Which, great, you know, and so I'm assuming they'll do season A and B. So we're getting at least, like, another two seasons of Team Mom 2. But we'll go on after that? Yeah, probably. We'll probably get 8A, 8B, 9A, and 9B. And that, I don't know. I don't know if we'll go past there. You know, basically, as the girls grow up and they get more money, it, like, becomes kind of boring, right? Uh, MTV for like two years has been trying to cast like a new teen mom that's not based on 16 and pregnant girls but they're in their early 20s and they had kids as teenagers and I think that could be interesting the fact is like you know we initially started watching 16 and pregnant teen mom franchises because of the struggle right like it was interesting to see the struggle it was really interesting to see the struggle but now we watch because of the storylines, because obviously these girls don't financially struggle. They still emotionally struggle, most of them, but they don't financially struggle. And as the girls get older, they emotionally struggle a little less. And the emotional struggles they have, they're unwilling to put on air, which, you know, like, obviously I can't blame them for. I would never be a reality TV person because I would not want to get on TV and let all my shit out for somebody to edit and make me look terrible. But it is, uh, I just forgot what I was saying, guys. It's going to be hard to keep going with these current girls because they just don't want to show it. And they also don't have the financial struggle. I mean, they're driving BMWs, they're buying beautiful houses. It's just, it's not there anymore. I still, like, greatly enjoy it. Obviously, I'm still deeply connected to the drama. I still love dissecting the girls' social medias. I still love Teen Mom. But I I do think the episodes of Teen Mom are the most boring part 
of the whole thing. Like, (laughs) I know that sounds crazy, but like I always tell teen mom, tell people teen moms to show that like you really don't even have to watch like the recaps are enough. And like, I believe that because all the good stuff happens online anyway. And they don't even show it on TV, which is the whole point of this podcast, right? So, yeah, it was a good season, but Team Mom 2 is on its last legs. Team Mom OG is definitely on its last legs. I was feeling that last season. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to the bitter end. I watched episode one of 16 and Pregnant when it aired, which was Macy, you know, and loved it. And I'm going to watch till the bitter end. Uh, I'm not going to pretend to be morally, ethically, or emotionally above this show. So yeah, let's talk about the reunion. Um, Team Mom reunions are like notoriously boring, right? Like nothing really happens. It's not like a fucking Real Housewives reunion. Um, the segments for each girl are pretty short. Yeah, it might be two episodes, but like really we only got to see about like 20, 15 to 20 minutes of each girl. And especially this, like Lee and Chelsea were up there by themselves. And how are you going to have an interesting reunion segment if nobody's there to antagonize you? And that's why Janelle's segment was so great because she had Nate and Barbara both coming after her, essentially. So let's, I want to start by talking about Dr. Drew. So, okay. Everybody like hates Dr. Drew when it comes to these reunions. And I do get it. Like, I do understand he's sexist. He's biased. He doesn't ask the tough questions. He's supposed to be, like, a doctor, but he, like, co-signs a ton of bullshit. Um, you know, once Amber was on his radio show or his podcast, I don't know, and she told him that she wasn't going to AA, and he said, oh, yeah, in Indiana, it's not very anonymous, is it? And I was like, what does that even mean? That's, like, such a weird statement for a doctor to make. Like, that's fine if Amber doesn't want to go to AA, but, like, for Dr. Drew, who's an addiction specialist, to put out that in Indiana, uh, AA is not very anonymous is like a dangerous message, in my opinion, because that could keep people out of the rooms of AA, which can save lives. But I digress. Um, People just fucking hate Dr. Drew on these reunions. On the Reddit sub, um, oh my god, every reunion season, there'll be like 20 fucking posts about how everybody hates Dr. Drew, why they hate Dr. Drew, They question if he's qualified for this, blah, blah, blah. By the way, I'm sorry if you hear weird noises in the background. As always, like, that should be the tagline of this show, right? I give credit where credit's due, and I'm sorry if you hear weird noises in the background. I'm dog-sitting right now, and I don't want to lock him out of my room. This dog's name is Jeffrey, and he's really cute. And I I just, I would feel too bad locking him out of my bedroom. So he's walking around on my floor because he can't figure out how to get up on my bed, even though I put, like, a little stool for him, but... He does not seem interested in using that. Um, and he's making noises. But Dr. Drew, so everybody hates him. My opinion is Dr. Drew's a fucking sellout. And like, who really cares? Because the reunions are terrible anyway. You know, the fact is like, and this bothers a lot of people, but the teen moms are pretty much irreplaceable. They're going to try and do it next season by bringing in Brianna And I think to replace Chelsea, and I think they're going to learn that people like the team moms because of who they are and and are dedicated to their storyline. So they kind of dictate their own terms. And the fact is, these girls wouldn't agree to participate in reunions or even be on the show 
if they like fucking got to California or New York, wherever they're going to do the reunion, and Dr. Drew just fucking calls them out on all their shit. They refuse to film. MTV will always cater the team moms, and that really angers people, and I don't understand why. It's how fucking Hollywood works. Don't you guys watch 30 Rock? <laughs> like, shout out Troy. Uh, don't you guys watch 30 Rock where, like, all... The whole premise of the show is that they have to keep the actors, the talent, like, appeased, even though they're fucking nuts. That's what's going on in Team Mom. They get to act however they want, and MTV rewards their behavior because it brings more drama. Um, and Dr. Drew plays into that. First of all, I'm 99.9% sure Dr. Drew does not watch Teen Mom. I would imagine before every reunion, uh, MTV gives him a little DVD that has, you know, 20 minutes for each girl. He prepares for like a little less than an hour and a half. And they probably give him an outline of the major points that happened and then some general questions that they think he should address. Now, of course, he's known these girls for seven years, so he has formed some relationship with relationships with them. And he's able to, you know, ask questions that he knows want to be answers. He has seen them interact and he knows them. I mean, he's not their doctor, as he said, but they're also not strangers to him. So he is able to ask questions, but the fact is he doesn't watch the show and it's fucking obvious. <laughs> Like, he doesn't call them out on their shit because, first of all, half of the shit he doesn't even know is happening. And that upsets people a lot. And, you know, like, I get it on one hand, but on the other hand, like, it's not realistic to assume that we're going to have an Andy Cohen host a Team Mom reunion. God, I'm having my first Diet Coke of the day, and it's 6.06, and it's delicious. 6.06 p.m. Please don't ever think I would be up at 6.06 a.m. for almost anything, except maybe to go to the airport and especially not to record a podcast. <laughs> but as I was saying, Dr. Drew is, you know, the reason they brought Dr. Drew in to do the 16 and Pregnant reunion initially is because they wanted to add credibility to the show. And Dr. Drew was a famous TV doctor. So, yeah, who's more credible than Dr. Drew, right? Since then, he's like tanked his reputation even more. Um, you know, this was post-celeb rehab, but before he just like went really off the rails with like the Hillary Clinton stuff and I'm actually shocked MTV kept him after the Hillary Clinton stuff but you know you do you MTV so he doesn't watch a show he half knows what he's talking about because he has a genuine relationship with these girls and a, a natural uh repertoire from knowing them but he doesn't know all the nuisances he doesn't follow them on social media he doesn't see what Janelle's tweeting. He doesn't see what Janelle's doing on Instagram. He doesn't watch their Snapchats. Like, I could do a million times better at hosting a reunion, but the fact is the girls would refuse to participate, and that's not really what MTV wants. You know, like, that's not what MTV is looking for. Uh, the reunion specials are not supposed to be explosive nights on Teen Mom. They're not a Real Housewives reunion. They'll never be a Real Housewives reunion. And I have a very low... Uh, expectation for quality on these reunion shows and I think everybody else needs to like get down on my level you know like just get down and relax it will be fine just don't expect too much and everybody will be okay so I'm not gonna go like super super deep into everything that happened because it really was like a rehashing of this whole season you know it was two hours long but like 
It did not feel like it. I watched it back to back, and I was like, did I really just watch two hours of TV? Because I don't think I learned almost anything new. Janelle's segment was basically the only interesting segment. Um, if Kale's segment would have been much more interesting if her and Javi <laughs> were doing it today, like, with the PFA and, like, fucking hating each other. But at this point, uh, they were not hating each other, so it was fine. Um, it opens up, as we saw in the behind-the-scenes episode, which I kind of think they should have showed after the reunion. Do you guys think they should have done it before or after? I think they should have done it after, because I think it would have been a cool... Um, it would have been cool. I think it would have been cool to see the reunion and then see the behind-the-scenes stuff. It felt very, very anticlimactic to see the behind-the-scenes stuff and then see the reunion. I already knew everything that happened. I knew why it was happening. And it just, I don't know, it killed any sort of buildup. Guys, you should see this fucking look this dog is giving me. But I'm kind of scared to pick him up because not all dogs like to be picked up. And I, I don't want him to, like, freak out to bring him off the bed. <laughs> I feel so sad right now. This is really, this is upsetting. Okay, so, um, we see Kale, her, first of all, like, her face looks very swollen. Um, I, like, like her makeup look, but her lips look swollen, her cheeks look swollen. I would assume this is, like, maybe she's pregnant, maybe she's not, but it's not that she looks fat. She just looked, like, bloated as fuck. Um, which, you know, I can relate to on a deep level. Uh, Kale's on stage by herself. The divorce is going to be finalized in two days. Um, you know, she said the hardest part of the season was kind of seeing how Isaac reacted to everything, although she wasn't surprised because Joe is really good at keeping her in the loop. It seems like Kale and Joe talk a lot, which is great. You know, I'm all for that. Happy for them. Uh... I like what Kale's wearing. She has a jacket on and pants and Adidas and just looks like fucking normal and isn't trying to do a whole look, which, which is good. Um, I didn't love, like, the ripped jean look that she had, but I did like that she went, like, pretty casual. I think that's how I would do it. Actually, I'd probably dress exactly like Janelle because, like, if I'm being honest, like, Janelle and I don't have that dissimilar taste of style. <laughs> If I'm being uh, totally honest, um, <laughs> I just don't think her style's that bad. It's just basic. She doesn't have that much of a personal style, and neither do I, to be honest. Um, like right now, I'm wearing my casual Friday outfit, which is a denim shirt and leggings. So, you know, Chanel and I are twins, I guess. Uh, they, of course, Dr. Drew and Kale talk about the divorce, and Kale said something that was really insightful to me, which was, that the deployment was going to make or break us, which I think to some people comes off badly because they think that she should be uh, 100% supporting him through the deployment. But one, she had already filed for divorce. And two, she said they've been prob having problems for a year or two before he deployed, which essentially means she was having problems their entire marriage. They were only married for three years, I believe. Um, but... I think what happened was, and Kel basically confirmed this, is that she'd been going back on, back and forth on, like, can I do this alone? Do I want to be a single mom? Remember, remember Javi's parents, at least his mom, but I think both his parents had been living with her, uh, helping raise the kids. His family was around a lot. And, you know, this was her husband. And I think she had really just been going, like, 
can I do this alone? Do I want to be a single mom? Can I be a single mom? What will life be like? I She hadn't been a single mom with Isaac since he was, I think, like a year and a half is when her and Javi got together, where he had just turned two. So she hadn't been a single mom with Isaac for many years. And I do understand, like, that that's very scary. And I think when Javi went on deployment and, you know, a month goes by, two months goes by, and she's realizing, like, oh, I, I can 100% do this. Like, I'm... I'm doing this. And the fact is, I'm way happier without Javi in this house. Um, and I, th- to me, that makes total sense because sometimes you kind of have to like throw yourself in the fucking deep end to like really know if you can do it or not. Um, you know, like I moved a thousand miles away from Florida to get away from my ex-boyfriend and we hadn't broken up yet, but I was like, I need to go to rehab as far away from my ex-boyfriend as possible because, like, I need to see if I can be without him. And I could. And I think Kale is in the same position where she's realizing, like, oh, what? I can absolutely do this without him. And I'm good with doing it without him. And, you know, I am proud of her for that. I will say that. I'm proud of her for that. Uh, she was surprised that he came home expecting to get back together. And, oh, by the way, I think Kale is going to therapy, which I've been saying she needs to do for, you know, the entire time I've watched this show. Because she said that she had to validate how Javi feels, which is absolutely therapy talk. She said, you know, I have to validate how he feels and not get so angry. And I was like, oh, oh, shit. Yeah, you do, girl. Like, you do have to validate how Javi feels. That's true. Um, And she just, you know, I don't. I think Kale is, like, very self-centered, and since she was over Javi, like, just expected that he would be over her and, like, totally fine with them divorcing and was, like, literally shocked that he came home, like, hoping that they would get back together. I wish that we knew more about, like, the timeline and what was exactly going on during the deployment. Were they fighting? Were they talking? I mean, yes, they had filed for a divorce, but it seemed like they talked the whole time that he was gone and that confuses me and you know it kind of makes kale that that part does make her look not great um it seems like once she made the decision they should have stopped the back and forth and just ended it and that didn't seem to happen so javi comes out and um you know they talk about why he was divorced and how the, the deployment was and he he basically is like, yeah, it was really fucking hard to be deployed. Like, why was in the middle of divorce? And I can only imagine that's, like, brutal. Uh, it's brutal, but let's all remember, like, Javi was not in Afghanistan. He was not in a war zone. He was in, uh, how do you, Qatar? Qatar? Isn't it pronounced, I thought it was pronounced Qatar. I don't know. I'm a fucking idiot sometimes. Q-A-T-A-R. That's where he was. Um in a very safe base he was like posting fucking instagrams of him at like these beautiful malls like he was living the light not living the life but he was not um in an active war zone like worrying for his life and worrying if he's gonna have a wife or not um but still i'm not discrediting the fact that it's incredibly hard to be away from your kids for six months and not discrediting the fact that like divorce sucks especially when you can't fucking see that person face to face I can't, I can't imagine how hard that is. Um, so basically he came home and he was just like hurt and upset and they talk about how, uh, 
Javi said, I thought we were good. I was leaving with a wife. And I'm confused because they, they've said repeatedly that she filed before she he left. So why did he think he was she was leaving? Blah. Why did he think he was leaving with a wife? That doesn't it doesn't ring true to me. It doesn't make sense. I I I don't understand. Basically, is what's going on. I don't understand the timeline of their breakup. Um, Kale basically confirms like things have been bad for a while, and the miscarriage was the final straw. And I did like that Kale like admitted she was like, look, like our relationship was not good. On my side, either, like, it wasn't just Javi. I wasn't nice to him. I stopped supported, supporting him. Like, I stopped being his partner. And um, I thought that was big of her because she has trouble admitting those things. Uh, they talk about the break-in, and Javi still seems, like, very nonchalant about it. And, like, he doesn't give a fuck. And Kale said it made her feel unsafe, which... I understand and that she thought Javi did it because he wanted to see if someone was living there and he still wouldn't own up to it. Uh, they talk a little bit about how he like hopped the fence. The keys were in the in the door. Dr. Drew was like trying to get him to admit that he was like being crazy. And he really wouldn't. Um, basically, Javi just talks about his emotions being out of control, which like I, I think we can all understand, except I do want to I wrote down this. I rewound it so I could hear it. And Javi said, I was only thinking about how do I get control of Kale. Um, yikes. That's a yikes situation. Javi's always had a problem with control. And I thought it was very weird how he said that. I thought it was very weird. I mean, now I'm going to do exactly what I was just fucking criticizing people of doing. But why the fuck did Dr. Drew not call that out when he heard that and say, what? What do you mean you were trying to get control of Kale? You shouldn't be trying to control anyone ever. You should have been trying to get control of your own emotions and accept the situation. But everybody just kind of shrugged that line off like it was a fucking throwaway line. And I like rewound it three times to make sure that he that's what he was saying because it was so alarming to me. Javi leaves the stage. Joe comes out. Kale and Joe are in a really good place. Joe sounds like fucking not like super dad, but just like mature dad. You know, he basically is like, look, I just want to make sure Isaac's okay. And I really it was important for me to understand that there are no enemies in this situation because at first he was villainizing Kale and then he was villainizing Javi. And I just wanted him to know, like, we're all on his side and that he's not in the middle and he doesn't have to hate anyone. And I was like, God damn. Isaac is lucky to have, you know, the stable force in Joe as this is going on with Javi and Kale. You know, props to our blended family that Isaac's really lucky that he had that. Uh, Joe was like, oh, I wasn't surprised at all uh, that they got divorced. And I found it very surprising when Dr. Drew asked Joe if he was a support for Kale during the divorce. And Joe's like, yeah, totally. Kale and Joe seem to talk a lot about non-Isaac related things but you know whatever works for them um basically Joe was like yeah I'm I, not surprised they weren't getting that they're getting divorced because I never felt like there was a genuinely deep love there and I think everybody can agree with that you know Kale gets a lot of shit for marrying Javi for the benefits but like I mean she did but he also married her for the MTV fame and just wanting to play dad and save a woman which he's very into like, Javi is Mr. Captain Save-A-Ho, 100%. So, they used each other, and I'm sure Joe saw that right from the beginning. Uh, Kale gets a little aggressive over that statement because 
Joe wasn't really articulating at first like what he meant and he was basically just calling it like kind of fake and she was like what no no and she gets aggressive over nothing as she does but then Joe explains like no there was no genuine love there even when they got married and Kale's like oh yeah that's true <laughs> um so they bring Javi back out on stage and the three of them talk and basically they never get together to talk about Isaac as a threesome. And they talk about how Javi was very hurt that Joe and Kale didn't trust him with Isaac to be alone. He's like, I mean, I've been with Isaac since he was like a baby and now it's like, you don't trust me. And Joe was like, look, it's not that I don't trust you. It's the fact that I did not want Isaac to become a tool in your relationship. And I completely agree with that. And I would think if Joe like could have, reasonably like removed Isaac from Kale at that time he would have too but the fact is Kale's Isaac's mom so he she gets to see him no matter what and I think it was just easier to bring to take Isaac out of the situation with Javi and I think Joe and was just very surprised with how Javi reacted because I think he thought Javi would come home everything was fine remember we saw them go out for like ice cream and they talked about how they actually had missed each other where Javi was uh deployed and that they you know like wanted to have this relationship and make sure that Isaac and Javi had a great relationship and then Isaac's or then Javi's breaking into the house while Isaac's there and I think Joe was just like very very concerned and upset that he felt like Javi was kind of basically acting in direct contrast to how he had promised him he would act and you know once again, Joe comes away smelling like roses. Like, Joe had the best fucking season ever. And I don't think it was just good MTV editing. Um, And the reason I don't think that is because, you know, you can have a great season and then come out at the reunion and kind of sound dumb. And Joe totally reiterated everything that he said all season long. And I thought that was great and awesome. And I was just so proud of him. Um, They bring V out. And basically, what's important is that they start talking about 50-50 custody of Isaac. And here's the thing. V's 100% right. She's 100% right in this. I know in the past I said I didn't really like how she approached it. But I've taken that back. Maybe in that one scene I didn't like how she approached it. But she's fucking right. The fact is Joe should have 50-50 custody. It's kind of insane that he doesn't. Um, It should be on paper because Kale can be spiteful. It should be on paper and uh, there should be like no takesies backsies. I think it's incredibly important that Joe gets 50-50. And the fact that she just... Gave it to or gave it to Javi, regardless of the legality, is upsetting. And if I was Joe, I'd be really hurt by that. And um, I thought V like made a really, really good point. But I will give Dr. Drew props because Dr. Drew's like, you know, V, I understand what you're saying, but shouldn't the intent for 50-50 be coming from Joe and not from you? And that's true. It should be. Um basically, Kale's like, you're not involved at all. Like, you shouldn't have an opinion on this. And V's like, what the fuck? So everybody else can have an opinion? And Kale's like, yeah. And it just looked dumb and petty. V has been in Isaac's life for, like, four or five years at this point. She's the mother of his sister. Like, it just sucks. Like, why Kale has to, like, hold on to this resentment and why she's not being fair with 
uh, Joe and why she doesn't understand why V thinks that Joe should have 50-50 is like really beyond me. Um, as soon as V starts talking, Kale starts crying and Dr. Drew's like, why are you crying? And it's because Kale feels threatened, which I don't know. I, I'm not a mom, but this just like doesn't make sense to me. They're not, they're not trying to take her fucking kid from her. They're just asking to put on paper what he always has. And I shouldn't say they, because Joe makes it very, very clear that he does not think they need to go through the courts. Um, Part of me wonders why he thinks that. Like, if he's not sticking up for V enough, if he's not sticking up for himself enough, because he really believes it, or because he just, like, is satisfied with what's going on right now, and he does not want to rock the boat with Kale. Because she's kind of nuts, and aggressive, and mean, and spiteful. And if it's what's working, like, I assume that he just is like, all right, it's what's working, that's fine. Um, basically Dr. Drew's like, do the four of you ever hang out? And they're like, no, not really. But the three of them did hang out, uh, V, Joe, and Kale, which when Javi first got deployed, they were hanging out like often, it looked like on Snapchat. And I just wish they could all get along. I just don't understand what's going on with V and Kale, guys. I just don't get it. I don't get why Kale has to be the way that she is, but really it's about control and Kale cannot stand the idea of not having complete control over Isaac and also over Joe. Um, do you guys think maybe Kale's still in love with Joe? I don't know. I also, I think Kale's a lesbian. Does anybody else think Kale's a lesbian? I know she's, like, posted pictures of herself kissing a girl. And, like, this weekend she was joking with her gay friend, like, this is my girlfriend. But, like, I straight up think Kale's gay. I just think she is. Um... Also, I wonder if Kale's actions would bother me so much if she was a guy. And I think they probably would not. Because she's just, like, alpha and aggressive, even though I kind of hate the term alpha, but she, like, is. And that's just... I just lost my train of thought. Kale is the way she is because of her childhood, and it's having detrimental effects. And the fact is, like... Kale needs to learn to give up control and give Joe 50%. That's it. That's the bottom line. Um, I did want to note that I was very surprised with Javi's body language. He had his arm out. Kale was sitting close to him. Like, he could have put his arm around her. They were very comfortable. Um, I would guess at this point they had still fucked, maybe. Maybe they had fucked once or twice. Um, there, there was chemistry there. And I was, I was pretty surprised by it. And so, yeah, that's a wrap on Kale. Great season for her. Loved seeing that drama go down. That was good. I'm assuming they're filming right now why she got the PFA, and I think they're filming during that. So I'm assuming we'll also be getting a lot of drama next season. Um, Yeah, congrats, Kale. You done good, kid, even though you fucked up your whole life. I cannot wait to see the reaction to Kale's pregnancy. Um, I'm really excited for next season for Kale. Really excited for next season for Kale. Leah, Chelsea, and even Janelle, meh. Kaylin's going to ca- carry this show. And also, of course, I'm intrigued by the idea of Brianna. By the way, apparently Mackenzie gave this article, Mackenzie from Team Mom 3, who I'm fucking obsessed with. And if you guys are not following her on Snapchat, like, I do not know what you're doing with your life. But um, Mackenzie gave an interview to Radar Online, basically saying she was fucking pissed that Brianna got picked over her and that MTV brought her in. And she was, like, totally sure she would get it because Brianna had 
way less followers than her, like way less followers. And yet here we are. Brianna's on uh, team on three and Mackenzie is not poor girl. On to Chelsea, whose reunion segment was just as boring as her whole fucking segment. Um, her hair looked insane, but I thought her outfit was cute. Uh, she talks about how she's old-fashioned and she wanted to be a wife and a mom, which I think surprises zero. Um, they had a really small wedding, just her parents and her siblings, and life is not different for her and Cole now that they're married, which, you know, great. Uh, Dr. Drew brings up Chelsea's mom and she's like, yeah, I get really annoyed with her because she's the only one that brings up Adam on camera. And it's like, why even give them that? Which I thought was, you know, interesting that she said that. Um, which kind of confirms. Oh, no, she said she only brings up Adam when the cameras are camera is around. But I don't believe that. I think they talk about Adam all the time. But uh, Chelsea is made strict instructions that nobody is to talk about him when he is when they are filming and basically she confirmed that uh her mom's the only one she can't control uh they talk about cole and aubrey and how cole has to compensate for adam and that he does like a really amazing job but the fact is that he is not aubrey's dad and like it sucks when he doesn't call on her birth on their birth her birthday and dr drew's like yeah it was my kid's birthday yesterday and they're 24 and i called them and it's like yeah of course you called your kids and also um did you know Dr. Drew is triplets? That's a life fun fact for you. Basically, Dr. Drew's like, have you tried to impress upon how meaningful it is for him to call? And like, why is that Chelsea's job? Like, yeah, she fucking has Dr. Drew. We know. We know she has. And it doesn't work. Um, Chelsea is considered counseling for Aubrey, but she, like, doesn't think she really needs it yet, which I think is fine. Like, if Aubrey's happy and well-adjusted, like, why force her into therapy? You know, like the rest of us, she'll fucking deal with her daddy issues as she gets older. (laughs) Let Let her not realize she has daddy issues for as long as possible. Um, Taylor and Chelsea definitely, uh, get along now and try and get the girls together for Aubrey and Paisley's sake. Which is great. And um, Adam was supposed to come. I'm being so boring with this segment, but there was really nothing to talk about because nothing surprising happened uh, and nothing interesting happened. Adam was supposed to come, but yesterday basically sent a text saying that he won't come. And he said in a text to Larry, the producer, are you fucking stupid or something, Larry? Fuck this show. Fuck MTV. Fuck Dr. Drew. Um, And... He said there's a stalker harassing him that has info that only the producers would know. And he's talking about this Instagram that I can't remember the exact name of, but I'll definitely find it. And it's like Deadbeat Dad Adam. And they post like a lot of things that have made people speculate that it might be Randy. And I don't think it's personally Randy. I don't think it's a producer. I think it's somebody that's involved in Chelsea's circle somehow that isn't on the show. And Chelsea and Randy probably probably know who it is maybe don't but don't care enough to like make them stop because everything they say about uh, adam is true it's obviously someone who lives in their town in south dakota and you know like they post like bad shit about adam but like i said it's it's all true and i i don't think it's a producer i don't see why a producer would do that you know it just it doesn't really make sense um i thought it was interesting that they brought that instagram up and 
Dr. Drew was like, I feel bad for poor Adam. And Chelsea's like, are you fucking kidding me? And this is like an example of Dr. Drew just being like ridiculous. For whatever reason, he has like a soft spot for Adam and really cuts Chelsea no slack when it comes to that. And it doesn't make any fucking sense um, whatsoever that he like will take Adam's side. He does it in like this weird roundabout way, but he does. And I, you guys know how I fucking feel about Chelsea, but she's not in the wrong when it comes to Adam. Adam is a fucking dickhead who made his own bed and he chooses to be the shitty father that he is. Uh, Drew does say like he doesn't really understand that all Adam does is bitch about MTV like not giving him a platform not giving him a platform and they constantly offer to give him a platform like they did with scheduling the time and then he drove away and then he says fuck you and I'm not coming and they play this uh, montage of Adam at the reunion saying how unfair it is the way MTV treats him and they won't let him speak his piece which I thought was funny Um, they talk about the fact that Chelsea had wanted to move away and Chelsea's like yeah, well, I don't want to move away anymore. Like, I'm really satisfied with my life. And it's obviously because she met Cole. Like, I think when Chelsea wanted to move away, like, she had been living in South Dakota her whole fucking life, like, had the same friends she always had. And she wanted to get away from Adam and probably wanted to move to L.A. or New York and, like, live this, like, fun, exciting life. And then she met Cole. And I think that's, like, a tale as old as time, right? And I won't begrudge her for that. Like, she wasn't happy. And she wanted to do what we call in (laughs) what I always hear in the rooms – by the way, when I say the rooms, that means like in a 12-step meeting. It's like a term for talking about being in meetings. But in the rooms, we call it a geography change, which is when you basically run away from a situation. But it usually doesn't really matter because wherever you go, you're taking yourself and all your issues with it. And I think Chelsea clearly just wanted to make a geography change um, to get away from Adam and get away from the situation with Adam. And Cole kind of took her away from it. And she doesn't need that anymore. And that's great. Um, And I'm happy. You know, like, Chelsea's fucking boring as shit on the show. I don't think she's, like, a fucking astonishing person or goals or anything. Like, but she's happy. And that's great. You know what? Good for her for being happy. Um, We should all be so lucky to find someone we love. Right? And, like, that's somebody that loves us and our family. It's a blessing. You know, Mazel Tov to Chelsea and Cole. Um, I don't want them to be on this fucking show anymore because they had a terrible season. But, I, you know, I am happy for them. Uh, so, yeah, Ch- Chelsea season, whatever. Um, next season, I don't know. Maybe I'll fucking skip her segments. Maybe I'll take a cue from my bringing blogging back who does segments and just doesn't recap Chelsea's. <laughs> and if Brianna's going to be on there, um, you know, Maybe I'll just replace Brianna with Chelsea and pretend that's already happening. I'm really curious to see how they're going to bring in a fourth girl or a fifth girl. I'm really curious. Hey, guys, to hear the extended version of this episode, come on over to patreon.com slash EB psychos. Thanks so much for tuning in next week. And then a few coming weeks, we're going to be doing uh, recaps of 16 and pregnant and then onward to Team Mom OG. Hope you join us. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos. And come on over to our Facebook page for more discussion.